Welcome to Weird Parents, the podcast where we talk about how weird it is being a parent. My name is Coop, and I'm joined by my lovely wife, <laughs> Sammy, Hi. also known on Instagram as Pop Punk Pets and Parenthood. Sammy, what is up today? Hi. Not much. Not much is up. I read that a bit weird because Sammy was just giving me faces. I was, pulling, I was giving you sass. Yeah. I was giving you some sass. You're trying to put me off a little bit. I wasn't putting you off, I was just giving you some sass. It was a bit sassy, yeah. Good. It was about six out of ten on the sass though, I was going to say. I could be sassier. Yeah. Yeah. Improve that sassiness. could always be sassier. talking about today sammy today we're going to be talking about parent guilt more i'll be obviously mentioning more mum guilt and you'll be chiming in here and there with just general parent guilt but yeah we're going to be focusing on that because it is a big topic isn't yeah it? mum guilt's a thing isn't it like a especially as the, the the uh the birther <laughs> of the child <laughs> the deliverer the Grower. Grower, the everything. Yeah. Mother, nature, Gaia. Oh, wow, that was deep. Call <laughs> me a goddess and I'm loving that. But yeah, you experience a lot of, I guess, high emotions like guilt and yeah. shame. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of it. And um, it's quite an, an evil thing, really, mum guilt. Um, but this, I think, parent guilt as well, because you know, you keep you originally were like, no, I don't feel guilty. I feel no guilt with anything. But actually, you do. I think dad guilt's a it's a completely different ball game. Yeah, I think what you feel is just general parent guilt. Yeah, you know what I mean. As in, like, you feel guilty for the littlest things. Like, you feel good if you go if she goes to bed without you saying good night, or yeah. Um, I don't know. What else? Like, there was that at the beginning when we were first dropping her off at nursery and she didn't like it. You felt horrendous. Didn't well, you? I had to do all of that, didn't I? Yeah. I was the. Because you couldn't handle I it. I couldn't handle it. <laughs> no. I was the one who had to do the settling in and the original sessions. Yeah. Because you were just too. I cried. Inconsolable. Every time, every time I cried. Um, but you struggled with that as well, didn't I you? I did, I did. You rang the nursery as soon as you got home. Of course she I did, yeah. She okay. Twice, I think, that yeah. day. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I think it is a general parent guilt as a thing, but mum guilt. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Is it? I I wondered, and this is just a theory. If that guilt and worry is there more with mums or more with the primary carer, because naturally, it would sort of be mother nature's way of making us be protective of them and making us keep them alive, basically. <laughs> well. The- yeah, without getting too much into it already, like we watched that that Netflix baby documentary, oh, didn't yeah, we? Like yeah. last year or whatever it was. Pretty sure it's just called Babies. <laughs> In that first part, they said when the child is born, a mother's like brain is completely the reprogrammed. Changes. Yeah. In that, there's an area that gets switched on, isn't there? Which turns into your. It's almost like your guilt area, isn't it? Or your, yeah. a, you know, like your attentiveness, like your sudden, your like always on yeah you can't turn it's it off constantly alert from the moment you have have your child but the interesting thing as well is it was the same in se- in same sex couples wasn't it yeah they noticed so in for example um let's say a couple of two men they noticed that both of them didn't they their brains changed in a similar way or the primary care of the two of them their brain chemistry and the their mri showed that the brain had changed 
in the same way as like a mum. Literally like insane. a little switch that yeah, gets flipped on yeah. and never turns off. Yeah. So for the rest of your life... You're literally shitting yourself constantly that, that something bad's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, and constantly feeling guilt and worry about that child. Isn't Mother Nature a bitch? That's great, isn't it? <laughs> Absolute bitch. Do you reckon that part of your brain's been switched on? Potentially. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get into that. We'll do the housekeeping shit first. Oh, all right, let's we'll do get that, that let's out do of the way. Let's do the housekeeping shit yeah, first. Yeah, the boring stuff. I do my noise. Housekeeping. <laughs> You've only ever done that once. Well, I'm making it a thing. Is it a thing now? It's a thing. I'm making it a recurrent thing. Yeah, I mean, we've had a a challenging week, of course, we? as per usual. I think because bees. I think we've got. She's got hand, foot, and mouth again, hasn't again, she? Again, yeah. So she had it when she was about six months old, and she's got it now that she's two and a half. I'm about. 90% sure it's hand, foot and mouth. It's not been diagnosed, but I'm about 90% sure. She had the fever. Yeah. She's had the itchies. She's, she's got the little the... rashy all over her feet, the little dots all over her feet, blisters. And of course, she's been in our bed yeah. 75% of this week. Yeah. To the point that I gave up because I had to go to work and I slept on her floor. <laughs> didn't I? That in is, protest. That is dedication. <laughs> Why didn't I sleep downstairs on the sofa, you asked? Because I didn't want to wake the dog. <laughs> I like, you just couldn't bear being in the bed with me and B, so you went straight to the sofa. I did. I got to the point that I just because she sleeps directly on my face, and you know what the biggest thing of it was? Gone. I didn't want to be sick again. I've had oh. all of her germs, haven't I? Yeah, you get them bad. I get it all the time. So I thought to myself, you didn't get them at all when you breastfed. No. Nope. But as soon as you stopped, yep. you get all her bugs. I get all of her bugs now, yeah. and I don't know what it is. But yes, so literally, I did just sleep on the floor. I didn't dare get in her bed because I think I'd have broken it because it's like a little piddly is a cot turned into a toddler bed bed isn't it Ikea's finest I just chucked a mat not even a mattress what is it duvet like a duvet on the floor didn't I (laughs) just put a duvet on the floor and I slept to the best of my ability I was so exhausted that I did sleep but oh, I had to take painkillers in the morning from my back, didn't I? I was yeah. in agony. It's a laminate floor, isn't oh, it? Oh, <laughs> it's not comfortable. I've just found all of the cuddly toys I possibly could and just like padded out like all around my head. So it was like a big pillow. That's that's the best you had I your, could like, do. Yeah, your pillow. Yep. You're like your pregnancy pillow. Yeah. You're like V-shape. I did. I just grabbed everything I possibly could that was remark- like even remotely <laughs> soft. But I want to know why my darling husband didn't offer to sleep on the floor considering I had work in the morning. I think it was late. Like, uh, I wasn't. I wasn't in the right state of mind when I'm half asleep. I don't know what's going when on. You're basically. half asleep. You're a grumpy bugger. Yeah, aren't you? I don't even know what's going on. I'm literally like, oh, bees in the bed. What? Yeah, asleep. you don't even know because she comes to my side and her little face is just there. Yeah, and she just like Daddy. claws my back. Yeah, Daddy. Daddy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so I buggered my back this week, and then yeah work but I feel like I haven't been able to do much work or go to work because she's been poorly so yes it's been a bit um a bit stressful dog's a bit of a little anxious mess as well and oh, she bless her yeah she's getting quite overwhelmed by life when we go outside she started we started walking her and stuff and she's just a, I mean she's 10 times better than she was when we first started but yeah just like every noise is like oh yeah oh exactly and she's like I can't take treats can't possibly eat when I'm outside because you never know I might have to defend all of us and I must have to protect us all Um, I mean I trust her to defend us oh yeah she's got a gob on her isn't she yeah she hates it when people walk past the house (laughs) she's so annoyed so we've got to work on work on that trying to work on getting her to focus on us when she's outside 
which is proving really hard when she doesn't take treats. So, yeah, yeah. Well, like I've never met a dog that doesn't want treats. So that's because it's, as I was saying to you earlier, she's over her threshold at the moment. She's too on edge to take treats. So we're just making her comfortable. Um, she's also on hunger strike today, isn't she? Why? Because I've been trying to give her more biscuits than meat and she doesn't like it. <laughs> so I'm not having any of that biscuit shit. I want the the meat. She does. She wants the wet food, which is fine. But I'd like her to have a complete balanced diet, ideally. We're trying those, um, I think, I can't remember what episode it was, we were talking about the insect protein yeah. pet food. Yeah, we're trying Yura at the moment. And to start with, she loved it. Yeah. And the treats as well. She yeah, loved it. She still likes the treats. She's gone off the biscuits. The biscuits she's gone off of recently, but I think it's because I'm mixing them with meat, but not as much meat as I was, because she was eating them with the old meat, wasn't she? Yeah. She picks the tiny little chunks of meat. I think you're mashing it too much. I don't think I'm mashing it enough. Oh. I think it's too chunky, the the, the actual meat, because it's the proper... I've brought, got some actual, like, cooked... It's just meat, but it's cooked. Yeah. Um... So it's not like wet food, which you can mix in with the... Oh, with she's the allergic to chicken as yeah, well. Yeah, well, we think she might have a chicken allergy um, because her skin's very itchy and she's got typical allergy puppy ears and things. So, yeah, this is us switching her to mainly fish to start with, but I think she's had enough of the fish, isn't she? Yeah, too bland. So, so I put a bit of lamb in there today and she was like, oh, yes, but she just picked the chunks of lamb out. Yeah. Which I'm like, that's all well and good, but the meat isn't balanced for a puppy. I need her to eat the biscuits. So, yeah. So a little bit of an issue with the dog as well, but we're working on it. We've just been bubbling, haven't we? Stress has been bubbling this week. Stress is bubbling. House is a mess. I haven't got any of my life up together in any way, shape or form. But yeah, it's all good. That's why we're talking about mum guilt today. It's yeah. been a great conversation. Just, just link it straight in. Yeah. Although, there is one other thing which you saw yesterday that was quite funny. You said it to me. Um, you were taking Winnie out for her evening walk. Mm-hmm. And you said that you saw a kid get hit in the face with a football. Oh my gosh, yes, I did. <laughs> I took her out to the around the park and there were these three boys and there was the youngest boy um, and one of them kicked a football and it just hit him square in the face. The little kid. And I think everyone's had that sort of thing happen to them and if you have, you know the pain and it really hurts and the littlest kid and the crying... He was so upset and I'm guessing the one that was his brother was just leant over going, shh, shh, you're okay, you're okay. And I just was like, I know that panic. <laughs> don't I'm, tell mum. Don't tell mum. Don't, don't tell, tell mum. I know that panic. I think anyone that's had a sibling or has a younger sibling knows that panic that when you've hurt your sibling, you're like, don't tell mum, don't tell mum, don't tell mum. <laughs> you said to me as well, you're expecting, um, you're expecting like a dad to lean yeah, out the window was. and start... That's the last time yeah. you play with the football. <laughs> Literally, I'm taking it off of you. Yeah. I was expecting it. And they were looking around. I think they were expecting it. Yeah. Just expecting him to come like barging across the field from his house. Or the coppers to come along and be like, we're taking you away. <laughs> you hit your little brother in the face. with you, a... You've ruined Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> no more, no Christmas for you. Yeah. And, you know, I said before, it's been a stressful week. You know, you've kind of had all this shit going on, looking after B. She pissed on you this morning. Oh my god! I literally. <laughs> so I went to work. We're toilet training B. Yeah, yeah. So I was. She's pretty much dry in the day, but where she's been poorly, she's had a couple of accidents, isn't she? Yeah. Um, and I went to work this morning, didn't I? Because I thought oh, 
I'll help them open up and everything. And then you don't start work till nine, nine thirty ish. So go to work for eight. I did an hour with them just sorting, helping answer the phones and get the practice open. And then came back to look after B because you had meetings and stuff. Um, and I get home and literally I'd been home. I had I, got home. I went to get changed and I out my uniform, put some leggings on, clean leggings, I will add. Nice and clean. Nice and clean. And what happened? She wanted me to sit with her. She was wanted to cuddle. She wanted to cuddle, wanted her bubbies. She was very grouchy. And then she just went wee-wee and was just peeing. <laughs> and just peed all down my leg. All yeah. down my leg. And then after that, I sat her on the potty and I was like, that's fine, can you finish it on there, darling? We don't wee-wee on the sofa. I didn't make a big deal out of it, but I just said, oh dear, it's an accident, but we're not wee-weeing on the sofa, we're going to wee-wee in the potty. And she was like, yeah, okay, I'll finish my wee on the potty. Finished a wee on the potty. Also did a crap. I then go and clean that out and I get splashed back and I get poo on me as well. <laughs> so within being home, for not even an hour, I had piss and shit on me. Weren't even at work today. Weren't even at work today. Hadn't even gone out into the garden and picked the dog crap up yet. <laughs> it's just a nightmare. Dare looking the cat's litter tray. Honestly. That was pretty funny. It wasn't funny. You're sat at your computer trying to like hold back laughter. <laughs> it's not funny. So yeah, I've, I've just had enough today. I've just had enough. Yeah. Honestly, I contemplated. Now this is bad and I don't promote this in any way, shape or form. But I contemplated having a bloody G&T this evening. That's not bad. It is when it's only Wednesday. Oh God, what? It's just a little tinny of G&T. No, We've got I, those pre-mixed ones yeah, in the fridge at the, the moment. Yeah, the problem is though, I think if I crack that open now, I'm so exhausted. I think it just made me fall asleep. You're good after a G&T. Makes good pod. So... Parenting guilt. Guilt, by definition, is is the kind of emotion attached to feeling like you've harmed someone or you've caused, like, an offence mm. to someone. Yeah. So it's like a... I guess it's like a moral thing, isn't it? You mm. feel like you've wronged someone yeah. in some way. Yeah. Or you've harmed someone. Mm. Um, so it's, like, it's interesting that, like, parents talk about guilt because... Some of the things that they feel guilty for aren't necessarily causing harm. No. Or causing offence to their child or whatever. Mm. They're kind of like internalising something so small, but, you know, like projecting it Yeah. Also, I over think, time. I think you make yourself, when you have mum guilt or parent guilt, you know, it's you making yourself feel that you've done your child wrong or you're not doing the best possible... You're not doing the best possible thing or the, doing something the best possible way for your child. Um, and it's huge. And I think it literally starts... It pretty much starts from conception. Really? Yeah. I, I didn't know you felt it that early. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say, like, when we first brought B home... No, definitely from conception. I mean, other people might, you know differently but like something as little as maybe you got your hopes up that you were going to have I don't know a boy and then you find out you're having a girl of course you're happy but there's that little part of you that was like oh, I really really wanted a boy and then you are riddled riddled with guilt the whole way through your pregnancy because if you're like me and you have an anxiety brain you're like what what if something awful happens and I was ungrateful and for what I had and yeah it's it's everywhere not taking you know you take vitamins and then someone says oh actually I take these ones because these are better and you know the, there's more studies for this one and then you go oh my god I've been taking this one for the past like four months have I done damage to my child because I've not been taking the right thing? It's it's literally from from conception. So your switch like got oh yeah, cranked 100%. up. I think yeah. that's why though that they say that 
with women as soon as you're pregnant you become a mother yeah with dads or other partners it's when they're born yeah because we have no idea what's no, going on no 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 but again <laughs> mother nature isn't it you have to yeah. protect you're trying to protect your unborn child where you would literally in the wild be like I have no idea what's going on I'm just going to go and balls everyone balls <laughs> I'm just going Insert off. the balls. I'm just going off to shed my seed, hit left, right, and centre, and then once they're born, I think that I honestly think that's why most babies look like their dads when they're born. So you are literally like, oh yeah, that's my one. Yeah. Because if it wasn't mine, I'd yeet it from a tree. <laughs> I definitely knobbed her. It's definitely my one. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine if you just leant over in the middle of theatre when Blake was handed to us and just went? Yeah, yeah. I remember nobbing her. This one's mine. <laughs> that was like, a good nobbing I gave her. They'd, they'd, <laughs> Jesus Christ. They'd have been like, get out. <laughs> get out. You're not, you're not, we're not handing you this child. Get out. Um, the website Psychology Today, I think it's a magazine as well in, in the States. Okay. But it talks about guilt as being aversive and it's kind of, I guess the main thing is you're not meant to muddle guilt up with shame. So guilt is kind of like a self-conscious emotion where you're reflecting on causing harm. Yeah. But I think very easily that can turn into like shame. shame, Yeah, you're right. Which is different Uh to guilt Uh because shame is more in the way of guilt is your action. So you're reflecting on an action that you've done Mm -hmm. whereas shame is more... I feel like myself, like my being is morally wrong. So guilt is my action was morally wrong, but shame is I as a person was born wrong or I've I've become wrong. So I think that is, so would you, in that case, I guess you'd actually feel shame for maybe past decisions you'd made, potentially. Yeah, I think guilt turns into shame, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, you're right, actually. Guilt is, you can... I think guilt you can reconcile with. With guilt you can, I guess, right a wrong, can't you? You mm. can, you've done this wrong action and you can right it in a way because morally it was wrong. You can make up for it. You can apologise, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Whereas shame is something internalised. But again, though, guilt, if it's, if it's what you, pers- what is your, your guilt, so what you might feel guilty about isn't necessarily what everyone else would see is you should be feeling guilty about if you see what I mean yeah because you've got your own moral exactly moral yeah. compass yeah so when does I want to know when it switches to shame well, I think they're entwined I think there's a bit bit of both I think it can t- I think guilt can turn into shame I think when you make a decision you've got both so for example you feel guilty about your decision because of how it would affect somebody else or someone yeah how it will affect somebody else I think shame is because of you what you have done and it's the shame, it's what you put on yourself. So I think guilt is you affecting someone else and the shame is affecting you. Would you say that's right? Uh, potentially, but I, I think guilt is more around kind of your actions and you think that that action is morally wrong or it's caused harm. Right. Whereas shame is more to do with a reflection about what you think about yourself as a whole. Mm. So, for example, 
I think guilt in some cases can be useful because it's it's helping you, you know, like center your morality. Yeah. And you can use it to, you know, right wrongs, as I said before. Yeah. Whereas shame is something more developed over time, I think. It's something where you think internally or, mm. you know, you're intrinsically, you're like your personality or your character or whatever is immoral. Mm. So it's not your actions. It's like you as a person. Yeah. So I think that's that's where they're different. Okay, yeah, no, I do see that. I do see that. I think maybe, yeah, guilt helps you create your sort of moral compass a bit. Yeah. And then shame is once you go against it. And, like, you feel shame for going against your moral compass. Or is that still guilt? It's still the same thing, I think. Oh, it's confusing. Yeah, because I think guilt develops earlier. It must, like... I think it develops in, like, toddlers. So I like think guilt's a learnt behaviour. I think you're confusing the two of them still, like... But be honest, guilt. Animals don't feel guilt. No. No. So I think guilt... animals probably don't, know. No, we don't, they don't feel guilt. Animals don't feel guilt. But they probably don't feel shame, shame either. Yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah. They don't, like, they don't have that self-consciousness. Maybe they're both learnt behaviours. Guilt is definitely a learnt behaviour I think guilt develops earlier. So you get guilt in toddlers as, like, two years old. Yeah. Whereas shame... Is something that develops over time because yeah, it's yeah. a discomfort in the way you are. Yeah, yeah. And people and children don't develop that self-consciousness until, until later. Until they're bigger and they're older, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I get that. I do so get I think that. what I said before was that guilt turns into shame. And a lot of what people get confused, like with mum guilt and parenting guilt, a lot of it is shame because they're not, you know, with these guilty actions, they're not mm. actually causing harm. They're more perceiving you know, their their self causing the harm, if you know what I mean. It's like not the action of... Let's think of an example. So when you first bought B home uh-huh. and you had your C-section uh-huh. with B, yeah. you felt guilty that you hadn't given birth to her, given birth yeah. to her naturally. Yeah. Whereas that's not an action that you took, but there was like a guilt over you, wasn't there? Yeah, it was like a... Again, I don't know if it's... it was. It's weird. It's very, very hard to explain. But there was always that because I had in my head that that's how you're supposed to give birth or that's how, you know, the quote-unquote natural, air quotations, way of giving birth. So, yeah, I felt guilt. But then I think there was shame mixed in there too. Exactly. Well, it must have been shame because it's not morally. Yeah. You didn't do anything wrong. Like, you had no control. But then part of me was like, did I not question it more? Did I not, you know, was there... Did I look at any, every way possible to see whether or not I could have given birth naturally? When actually my brain that is more logical knows that it wasn't possible. We had no control over that situation whatsoever. So morally, you were absolved of that. Yeah. You had what we're calling guilt, but it's actually like a shameful feeling. Yeah. Whereas I think with shame, you need to cut yourself some slack sometimes. Like a lot of these kind of guilt episodes that parents have, it's shame episodes really, isn't oh, it? Yeah, That's massive, what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Massively so. Like I'll use breastfeeding as an example. So B was exclusively best breastfed. Did this fit? Did this <laughs> best, fit? She, she was, was best, best fed. fed. Hold on. Best fed. Breastfed. <laughs> 
God. <laughs> Don't get into that. Anyway, so she was exclusively breastfed for her first six months of her life, wasn't she? Yeah. And then at the sixth month point, we started combi feeding, didn't we? So yeah. she was having prescription formula alongside my milk because I was trying to pump, wasn't I? So I could basically have some time because she didn't sleep so no um, she didn't sleep at all and i you know was pumping to try to give myself a break so that you could feed her or someone else could feed her and we were doing the whole slow pacing feeding and everything but i we got to the point that we combi fed her and i felt awful how long was i crying for that i'd introduced for yeah as soon as as soon as we went and got it I felt awful. I I felt awful. The moment it was in my house, crying. The moment she had that first bottle, I hated it. I hated every minute giving it to her. And I felt guilt because I felt like, was I not, you know, trying hard enough for her? Yeah. But actually looking back at it, it probably was more shame. It was because morally you hadn't done anything wrong like the action that you took was to give yourself a break to give yourself rest so you could be a better mum yeah because I was getting that was the moral action that you took and she was still having breast milk yeah this is the thing is that I think I had it's not immoral to you know change up your routine it's not it's not but again it's that whole sort of breast is best mantra and it's, I think, a lot of the things that parents feel guilt over or feel shame about is society pressures, isn't it? Pressures that society have put on you. You know, I... There's there's a very difficult line to distinguish when it comes, I think, to breastfeeding because you get shamed if you do and you get shamed if you don't. You get shamed... Yeah. If you breastfeed and you continue to breastfeed past six months, you get shamed if you breastfeed in public. You get shamed if you want to breastfeed. That's the biggest thing for me is that there was a lot of shame. And from family members, I don't think they necessarily meant to be doing it, but there was a lot of shame aimed at me for wanting to breastfeed and wanting to continue to breastfeed. And promoting it as and well. And promoting like, breastfeeding. Like, like talking like, about it openly. Openly. Um, and there was like a lot of shame about that. But then vice versa. I know mums that had a horrific birth or had, you know, were not able to breastfeed or struggled to breastfeed. Um, and for their, their sake and for baby's sake, they went on to formula, which is what formula is designed for. Formula yeah. is there as a second, is 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 the, the next best thing to breast milk. Yeah. Um, but I know so many mums that felt, so much guilt for doing that and looking back at it they're like oh should I have done this should I have done that and you do you just have this this guilt and shame for whatever your decision is and it's just sad isn't it it's sad it's horrible yeah but you know most of these kids will grow up to be abs- I mean they're probably all going to grow up to be absolutely fine you know I mean both me and you were breastfed and then went on to formula yeah you were breastfed for three months was it something like that I was not very long I was breastfed for three months or up to six months I think I can't remember three months I think and then on to formula so I think it's yeah I just the, the biggest thing for me is that I think in order to avoid the mum guilt and the mum shame and the, the shame and guilt that comes with many decisions that you make in regards to your children 
I think the biggest thing is information. And it's the same with a lot of things, unfortunately, especially currently, because there's, let's just say, information everywhere. And we'll do my little impression of certain people. I've done my own research. <laughs> You've not done your own research. You've Googled. That's not research. You've looked at pixelated jpeg on facebook or you've looked at something that you don't understand how to read it that's my biggest bugbear is people find leaflets and inserts and things and they're like have you seen this and have you seen that it's like yes but do you do you actually understand what you're reading do you understand any of the information and do you understand you know how that study has come about or why that study's been done or do you understand the structure of that study do you understand the qualifications that the people that have carried out that study have all these things and I honestly think information needs to be available and clear when it comes to certain decisions people make for their kids I think that's one of the biggest problems with a lot of things in society nowadays and I will use the COVID vaccine as an example Um, the information isn't clear And it's also the wrong bits are accessible to the average Joe. Yeah. Who then reads it incorrectly or gets themselves in a tiver, you know, because they've seen a a buzzword or a scary word. And I think there's just the information isn't there nice and clearly. For again, coming back to breastfeeding, the NHS are very good at promoting breastfeeding when you're pregnant, they are very hot on saying to you, we recommend that you breastfeed, you know, we will help you with your breastfeeding and everything. But as soon as baby is here, I don't know if it was the same for everyone else, but my support freaking disappeared. Yeah, yeah. you could Literally. seek it out, but like... But it was impossible. The only person so in that hospital that offered to help me was my theatre nurse. And then when I was moved up into the ward, not one of them came to help me latch her. Not yeah. one of them. She, the theatre nurse as well, also picked up, theatre midwife, sorry, picked up that she had a tongue tie. The other one, the other midwives didn't want to know about it, did they? They were like, no, no, she's still, she's going to yeah. feed, she'll be fine. And then Don't we were out, we were out in 48 hours. And we were out in 48 hours. The person that latched B for the first time was my mum. My mum was the one that actually got her to latch for the first time. Yeah. And then the issues we were having with her tongue tie, with her reflux, everything, that's, and with her allergy, that's a hell of a lot for you know you've been i i knew i wanted to breastfeed and so i did and you know that's what kept me going with it was i like no this is a decision that i've made and me being a stubborn bitch i was literally like no this is what i'm going to do and she was gaining weight it was more for the fact that she was uncomfortable and you know and we yeah. had the horrendous colic and stuff um but like there wasn't any checks there wasn't any breastfeeding consult there wasn't anything like that was there and it's it's hard to find it and I remember when I went to the local breastfeeding support group which I found luckily um and when I went there I was talking to the midwives and they even said there isn't or the the breastfeeding consultants and they even said there's not many of us around and the NHS doesn't pay for lactation consultants so in other countries i think you can you have the opportunity to have a lactation consultant once baby's born which if you want to breastfeed brilliant but here in the uk we're pushing it but we're not supporting women through it no and also we're not giving people information it's all well and good that the nhs are like you should breastfeed great why give me the information why well it's best that's that's not gonna give me the information tell me about the antibodies tell me i mean how much stuff did we learn about boob milk when i actually was like yeah, getting just, information through lactation yeah. um consultants and things yeah exactly it was insane so much so that you even did a shot of it when you caught hand foot and mouth because you were just so <laughs> desperate 
You I needed s- those sweet antibodies. You were, you were in so much agony. You were like, <laughs> I'm going to do a shot of your breast milk. And you were rubbing it, getting it out the fridge, rubbing it on your hands and feet. I was like, oh, Lord. That shit is sick. Did it fix you? <laughs> it must have done something because I was, I was good as gold a couple of days later. Oh, yeah. All your immunity just kicked in and you just did a shot of my titty milk. Whatever. Anywho. (laughs) Um, But it's just the information again. You know, you get given little snippets of information, but it's not really enough for you to make a a proper decision because then... I know. You know, you then make a decision and then that guilt and shame comes in because someone says, well, actually, did you know about this? And you go, shit, no, I didn't. That's the thing with shame, isn't it? So I don't think... I don't think other people can make you feel guilty, but they can make you feel shame. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But like, as I said, shame is about you as a person. Like, obviously, they can make you feel guilty for an action that you've taken. Mm. But you as a person... I think some people use guilt as a weapon. Yeah? Some people use guilt as a weapon. But shame or guilt, which one? And there's even... Well, that's just it, isn't it? But there's even like... I mean, that's an old parenting style, very old parenting yeah. style, is to make your child feel guilty for their behaviour to yeah. stop them doing it again. But behaviour that they haven't committed in some cases, feel shamed for the person that they are. Yeah. That's why it's so damaging. Yeah. But, yeah, I think it's, there's just, honestly... It's just the age-old thing, though, isn't it? Like, the general public is thick as pig shit. Oh, massively so. <laughs> massively and so. And society, like, we have an information age at the moment where... People don't live in small, supportive communities anymore. Uh-uh. We live in an online world. Yeah. You know, we don't necessarily live with our parents anymore or no. our sisters or our siblings or whatever. We live, you know, on our own little groups, like in small families, mm-hmm. sometimes just as single parents. Yeah. And the support that we have is either online information mm. or, you know, wherever we can get it from. It's which, not necessarily small communities Which is anymore. another reason why I think parents' mental health these, these days is is worse. Because, yeah. n- again, naturally, it take, they say it takes a village to raise a kid, and it does. Na- naturally, yeah. you would have a lot of women around you or, or family around you, and you would take it in turns looking after that child. Yeah. That, I mean, if we were still, you know our little homeosapien counterparts or whatever our little monkey boys yeah um that's how that's how it would work and i think you know that's the other thing is society create this illusion and i don't want to name names but there are quite a few instagram accounts that create an illusion that they've got their shit together and they've got everything under control and they've got three kids, they've got animals, their house is spotless, they do daily cleaning, all their laundry's put away, you know, they eat, their kids eat 25 vegetables a day, (laughs) shit like that. (laughs) But it's an illusion. There's no freaking way that they have got their shit together that much. Yeah. If they do, they're fucking rolling in it and they've got a nanny. What's all (laughs) this? But society does create this illusion that as a woman especially i don't want to say as a woman because it's quite sexist but i think as a parent you're expected to do it all you are expected to do it all and it's hard as well because and i will say this in regards to women you know women have for many many years been considered that once you are married you have your children and you stay home i mean when i had b my own grandparent even turned around to me you're not going back to work are you (laughs) and i went what no, fucking I am. Choice have we got? Exactly. <laughs> One, I don't have a choice, and two, I love my job. Why wouldn't I go back to work? Well, no, no, that's down to him to look after you now. And it's a very old-fashioned way of thinking. Yeah. 
But now it's changing and society is very much like, you can do everything. You can have your family. You can look after your house. You can have a career. That's a fuck ton to put on someone's shoulders. But again, then you come around to the shame of, if you don't do it all, you feel shame because you should be able to do it all. Exactly. And that is shame because morally, you're not doing anything wrong. Like if you can't, there's only 24 hours in a day. If you can't, Wash the floors, get the baby in bed, mm. um, cook yeah. dinner for everyone, um, I don't know, whatever, wake up on time, all that stuff in a 24-hour period. That's that's fucking the laws of nature. Yeah. That's not you as yeah. a person, but is it? But it's pressures that, you're put, that society put on you, I think. Yeah, it's, a, it's not within your control. Like, there's things you can control, and maybe guilt can help you find those things out. But the whole shame around it of not being enough or not being good enough to you know fulfill all these ridiculous roles that we've got mm. to do is like damaging isn't yeah, it yeah it's, it's massively damaging it's you need to cut damaging. yourself a bit of slack yeah yeah i think so but it's hard because you want the best for your kids yeah don't you? you want the best for your kids but this is why i think like it doesn't it really doesn't matter you know there's so many little things like are you a stay-at-home mum or do you work? It doesn't really matter. Yeah. As long as your kids are fed, looked after and me- and mentally they're supported and they're happy, it doesn't matter. Because, you know, not everybody is going to be the same. Again, I think if you've got... Your, your situation might be different to someone else's situation. And if you've got all the information you need to make a decision, then that's fine. But, yeah, I just feel like a lot of mum and dad guilt or parent guilt in general and shame comes from society definitely how do you typically deal with a pang or episode of mum guilt or find, parent find guilt find a corner of rock and cry usually <laughs> find you a remember pillow. what I'd be like when, when you would come home from work yeah uh, like six o'clock in the evening or whatever yeah. Blake would be screaming because it would be the witching hour. And she'd have colic. And she'd have colic and just be ill. And I'd just feel like I was failing. Yeah. And just sobbing my heart out. Yeah. Begging you to take her because you'd be better at it than me. Oh. Yeah, it's horrend- it is horrific. And looking back at it, I wish I could just hug myself and be like, it will get better. Yeah. You know, like you, you are doing everything right. But it's just, it's hard. It's so, so hard. It's not easy. In this any way, shape, or shit's form. This hard. This shit is hard. It's not easy at all. And for anyone that has more than one child, I take my hat off to you. I'm tearing my hair out with a puppy, a cat, and a toddler. I can't and a husband. And a husband. You, you, you'll be all right. <laughs> but I can't even imagine how it would be if we added another one to the mix right now. Yeah, I think I've said this before, but anyone who co-parents, anyone who's a single parent... Mm. Anyone who's got kids who's not neurotypical or they've got, you know, any kind of disability. Yeah. You are Like fucking hats off. Yeah. Like massively. Massive heroes. We're here complaining about little things, but generally, I know I hate saying stuff like this, but like we're we're okay. Mm -hmm. And we've we've got each other to support each other. Yeah. Yeah. Not everyone's got that. No. No. And that's a lot of it as well. I think the guilt and the shame if you have someone to support you through it it's it's a lot easier 
you know, you're very good at saying to me, you know, you are doing everything you can or, you know, just do one or two things a day because my my typical thing, and unfortunately this is how my anxiety-riddled brain works, is I make a big list, don't I, of stuff that needs to get done and then I just stare at and it and I just cry because I'm like, I need to get all this done and you're like, but you don't need to get it all done now. I'm like, but it all needs to get done. <laughs> I guess that's, yeah, that's kind of... If we bring it back a little bit to parenting guilt in general or dad guilt, mm. I guess the main way that I deal with kind of feeling, whether it's guilt, stress, shame or whatever it is, is um, I don't do this like daily, but I practice a little bit of stoicism. Yeah. Um, and what, what stoicism is, is the it's the philosophy or the idea that humans are part of nature we're not separate or divorced from it we're not this special being that is outside of nature we are part and governed by the laws of nature and we're creatures on planet earth at the end of the day yeah that and yeah we're controlled by forces that sometimes we're not as powerful as Mm -hmm. and for example that that in what it boils down to is that there are things inside of your control which you can manipulate yeah. And there are things outside of your control which you can adapt to and, you know, act accordingly from there, but you can't control that thing. Yeah, I see that. I do get that. And I, yeah, that I mean that's just something I find really helpful in modern society, like to just centre myself on that and focus on the here and now. Yeah. Bring yourself back to the present and think, what is the action that I can do in this exact moment in this centered moment that can you know uh, not absolve myself of guilt but helpfully take a step in the right direction yeah no i do get that i think it's a good thing i think for a lot of people it would take a lot of practice yeah to be able to do that and if you've got something like anxiety it's not going to be possible or at least you would struggle more that's i guess that's another um disclaimer on top of that is that i'm like I don't have any kind of anxiety disorders or anything yeah. like that. I'm, I guess I'm fairly neurotypical yeah. <clears throat> in that way. But um, that is something that personally is a good practice for some people. Because where, where you get stuff like, in quotations, mindfulness, yeah, I think that that's been like almost infiltrated the by trend. like... trend. It's a current trend, like isn't it? upper class marketing folk. Yeah. Yeah. That they think, oh yeah, to feel better, just practice mindfulness. When yeah. mindfulness is a really broad thing. It's, and a personal it's like, thing as it's well. It's like saying practice health. Yeah, it's yeah, like... exactly. And it's a personal thing. What works for one person might not work for you. Exactly. Yeah, I get that. So yeah, when I say this, I'm just kind of, you know, sprinkling it. You're doing a little sprinkling motion yeah. with your hand. Peppering. It may not work for everyone. Seasoning. But there's a, there's a quote from Seneca, who's like one of the main... Stoics. Is it wrong that I thought you were saying Senna? <laughs> Do you wanna wanna Senka? Do you wanna wanna Senka? It keeps me up at night, but it helps me poo. <laughs> Is that what she said? Something like that. That's a Simpsons quote. <laughs> Seneca from like, I don't know, 300 BC or whatever. Um, he said that souls that enjoy being sick and that seize upon excuses for sorrow, are saddened by events long past and effaced from the records. 
Past and future are both absent. We feel neither of them. But there can be no pain except as a result of what you feel. Yes. <laughs> and what, he, what he's saying there in a nutshell is that you can use the past and the future to kind of reflect on your actions and how you want to behave and how you want to right wrongs. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's action in the present. Like use those as tools, but it's action in the present that is going to get you out of that loop. So if you're constantly thinking about past and future and worrying about it, sometimes the best thing to do is something physical, like ground yourself back in the present and take an action to hopefully right that wrong or that, yeah. uh, that I guess that guilt or that so shame. So like strip it all back. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Or I work, get that. just take a step, small step. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'll just round off the little stoicism part. Like if you guys are interested in that shit, go read about it. It's really like... I'm sure old literature boy has got some lovely quotes <laughs> you can yeah. have. It's just such basic philosophy, but it, it really helps me. Especially dealing with dad guilt yeah, <clears throat> or dealing with parenting guilt. It helps me ground myself a little bit more. Yeah. But the the quote from Marcus Aurelius, who was like a Roman um, Caesar, mm. um, he said, Don't panic before the picture of your entire life. Don't dwell on all the troubles you faced or have yet to face. But instead, ask yourself as each trouble comes, what is so unbearable or unmanageable in this. Your reply will embarrass you. Mm, preach. So what he's saying is, at the end of the day, we build things up quite a lot. We build things up, like, beyond recognition. Yeah. And we think... We add, our own, we add to is, our own stresses. Yeah, this is the worst possible thing ever. Whereas if you think about taking an action on it, or if you just act you'll find that that thing doesn't actually matter as much as you thought Mm. or it's different to what you thought. Okay, yeah, yeah. So dwelling on guilt and dwelling on shame is something where if you take a simple action, you can sometimes distract yourself Mm -hmm. or find out that it actually isn't as bad as you're thinking. Yeah, I like that theory. I don't think it would work for me, but I like that theory. (laughs) Well, maybe you can try it and update us next time. I can give it a good go. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to talk about just on, I guess, on mum guilt mm-hmm. um, was there was an article in The Guardian this week, um, which was, um, it featured someone called Sophie Hook, who right. she's a working mum. She's got a two-year-old daughter, I think it is, mm. but she sometimes has to rely on food banks. Oh, bless her. Yeah. She has to rely on her mum for childcare sometimes. She has to go to a specific nursery because the cost is right and... It fits in with her working life and those are the hours that she can get. But, you know, she really feels the struggle and really feels the shame from it and the guilt, I guess. Um, I'm not going to read like the entire article and everything in it, but if you you can go check it out on The Guardian. Um, But basically she's saying, you know, there's been periods in my life where I haven't had money for gas, putting food in the cupboards. You know, it's all been in short supply, but... We, you know, make sure my daughter eats healthy and I go without the essentials. Yeah. See, that's the thing. I think a lot of it is, 
there's all the as we were saying before like the pressures that society put on you to be this perfect parent and a lot of the mum and parent guilt is because you want to do the very very best possible for your child but sometimes as opposed to like having the best things and getting them the best things and buying them all the best things actually you doing your best is you doing the best for your child that's what you have control over like with I guess the cat's really distracting me. I know. The cat's joined us and she's like on top of her tower. She's on a bug hunt. You can see it in her yeah. eyes. She's like, where them spood is at? She loves a good spider. Yeah. That's your fault. But if you, I don't know, for example, it's we're talking about Christmas here. Like if you can't afford, you know, the best present for your kid, if you don't get, like if you make the decision not to, you know, buy it on a credit card or something or look, like get a loan for that money to buy the gift you're not doing something morally wrong no so you shouldn't feel guilty about it what you're feeling around that is shame you're feeling shamed by society that you can't provide that yeah, thing it's, yeah, for your it's, it's the pressure society's putting on us <clears throat> to yeah. be those perfect to be that perfect all-round parent but if you're not getting that for example that present for your kid like morally you've got to think morally you're not doing anything wrong. You're not causing harm to your child. Yeah, you're just not. You're just not being that perfect parent that society is expecting, or society is trying to make you be. Yeah, exactly. You're yeah. you're acting on something that's within your control. Buying your kid an expensive gift doesn't make you a good parent. No, exactly. Morally, whether you do it or don't do it, yeah, it has no effect on you yeah. being on your child, like development i guess yeah and i guess at the same time this this is deep man this is deep but it's not going to absolve you of that shame that you're feeling so you're you're feeling shame for not being able to provide that gift Mm. it's not going to absolve you of that shame that shame will shift into something else because you're not you're thinking of it as a guilty thing when really it's a shameful thing of you know thinking internally yeah no i do i see that i do see that yeah um, the cat's really distracting me because she's now chew- licking her toe beans, each individual bean. <laughs> each individual bean is coming little, out she's and got she's her getting little, her tongue between her it. little foot spread out and she's like, yeah, I'll get in these little clawsies, having a good chew on them claws, <clears throat> chomping down. <laughs> it's because with Luna, you very rarely get to see the toe beans, do you? No. Because she's just a little angry ball of floof. When the limbs do actually appear, it's like, <gasps> the precious toe beans. They're growing nicely this year, I see, Luna. Glaring at me. <laughs> the toe beans look particularly ripe this year. A oh, this particularly ripe toe, toe bean. bean. <laughs> oh, you're getting the daggers now. Another big guilt, I think, of being a parent is you compare your child to other kids. Yeah. Especially developmentally. Is that a word? Yeah, developmentally. Yeah, developmentally. Um, you know, so B, for example, to start with, like sitting up, lifting her head, everything like that, she was ahead wouldn't she yeah pardon pun um she was <laughs> she was good pun ahead <laughs> um literally she was literally just a floating she head. literally was just a big head um <laughs> genetic trait <laughs> a whopping great noggin um and then it hit the crawling didn't it and where she had that little bit of palsy in her hand and yeah. one of her feet from the cease from being breech um it took her a little bit longer 
And the same with walking and talking, actually. Like, she's only really just started speaking, hasn't yeah. she? Like, properly chatting to the point that now we're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Everything is no, isn't it? No. 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 Bubbies. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, but it's really hard. And I was comparing her development to a lot of other kids, wasn't I? Yeah. And then you feel like, is it something you've done? Did you not, have you not given her the tools to be able to speak sooner? Have I not, you know, supported her enough to help her to walk or crawl, things like that? When actually she's been fine. It's just in her own time. And that is normal for kids to obviously develop at different rates. But you do feel guilt and shame. And I think a lot of that shame comes from the fact that you are comparing them to another child. You shouldn't be comparing your child to another child. But why do we do it? Yeah, I mean, it's good. I think it's good to reflect and to say... You know, could I have done this better? Could I have done that yeah. better? But it's when you get into the the realm of obsessing over it and not taking any action after that obsession, that's where it turns it into, into a, a shame. Because really, what you're doing is you're there's just a, an internal problem with you that you just you're cycling on. Self destructive. Yeah, it's a self harm thing. Yeah, you're cycling on that one thing uh-huh. and obsessing on it. Yeah, you're not doing anything to. Either write it, deal or, with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's that's a big area, I think, especially with mum guilt, um, parent guilt. You is you just constantly you can't help it. You tell yourself, don't compare them to other kids, but you can't help it. And anyone that says that they don't is a filthy, dirty liar because yeah. we all do it. There's the the only thing you can do is break your thought pattern. Yeah, isn't it? Like the like as i said before there's a switch literally in your in your head as a parent that gets turned on yeah you, that's your guilt switch or your shame switch mm. which means you're always on and you'll always be thinking about your child mm. all hours of the day and everything's you can do better or worse yeah but i guess the thing that you can do to break your thought pattern is one as i said distract yourself with an action the next best action to take mm. Or two, you just recenter yourself and think, you know, I am a biological being yeah. with a switch in my head that is on, uh-huh. that is making me feel this way, and it is affecting me in this moment. It won't affect me forever. I'm yeah. feeling this at the moment. I am, I've got a condition in this moment, but it will pass. Yeah. It won't matter in an hour's time. And also saying a bit of a mantra to yourself that, you are a completely capable human being and what you are doing, you are doing the best possible thing for your child. You have the power to make those the best choices for your child. You and you only. You and you only. Exactly. I think that brings us nicely to the end. The nicely. last thing... Giving me a little side smirk <laughs> when you say that. The last thing that I wanted to, to end on for final thought... I do you have any final thoughts about guilt? About guilt? No. But the only final thought I have is watching this cat. I think she's about to fall off of her tower. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's there's, wobbling. There's going to be a whopping great bang when she does. So if at any point you hear like a flump, that would be the, that's the best description of a noise of a cat falling over her. A flump. A flump. She flumps. She does flump. If, ever you, if you hear a flump and then probably the dog going, I get the cat, I get the cat, then that's what's happened that's what Winnie's voice sounds like oh if she you just talk. haven't heard her on mic yet yeah yeah if she could talk it would be like that <laughs> I get cat I get kid I get cat I get ball so uh 
You were probably just listening to Sammy talking and then it just kind of cut out <laughs> midway through her sentence. I think you were distracted by the cat on the cat tower. That was it, yeah. He <laughs> was about to flump off of the cat tower. Yeah, and we were about to record the outro of this episode. Well, we did record the, the outro, but for some reason our interface didn't pick it up. No. So it just kind of cut out from when Sammy was talking about the flump. Yeah. But basically what we were what we were saying is, you know, there are some things in your control, some things out. Don't beat yourself up. Exactly. Give yourself a break. If it's not within your control, which I, I mean, a lot of stuff in this life is out of your control. But what is in your control is what you can do in the present moment to right a wrong that is, you know, hurting you inside. Yeah. And remember that. The most important thing to your kiddo is you. Like all the guilt and the shame that you put on yourself. But to your kid, you're awesome. You are the best. You are and the you're best. the only one who is the best. There's no other person that is the best. Yeah. Um, I also said that there's going to be one more thing that I was going to share. And that was a follow up um, from Ice T. He tweeted <laughs> out. <laughs> he did a tweet the other day, which I guess kind of ties into this. It, um, it's titled Ice Cold Fact. Don't make perfect the enemy of great. Perfectionists rarely get anything done. So, yeah, essentially. He's a wise old man. In the he is. You, you guys are, you know, C and B students or D and C uh, students. You know, those are the people that get shit done. Perfectionists rarely get stuff done. Yeah. So 100%. we can't do everything at once. You know, it's impossible and, you know, you can't be perfect all the time. Preach. Preach it. Yeah. That's been our episode today on yeah. parenting guilt. <laughs> Sorry for the weird voice note at the end, but, yeah. you know, the episode's coming out in a couple of hours and we needed to put an outro on it. <laughs> yeah. So this is our little speedy, speedy outro. So, yes. Yeah. You can catch us every Friday for a new weird alternative or disturbing topic about parenting. Yeah. Hit us up on Instagram. Send us a DM, like whatever. Just if you've got any stories, if you've got any topics you want us to cover. Yeah. If you want to have a go at us for something that we said in this episode, (laughs) send it over. Send it over. And without further ado, we'll see you later. Good night. Bye. Bye. Just got the itchies and hiccups. Dog's just scratching her chin. Sammy's looking with a frown on her face, like she's gonna cry. It's so cute. Stop scratching your ear, you make it sore. Kick my ear at you. Kick my ear. So spin that collar. Spin that collar. <laughs> One. <laughs> Two. You finished? She's still got hiccups. A little shadow. A little foot liquor. Foot liquor, our prices have never been lower. <laughs>